morning, everyone, and welcome to Orchard Church. Who's excited to start our brand new three-week Christmas series today? Let me hear from you. Awesome. We are kicking off a three-week Christmas series called Christmas Carols. I'm going to ask you right now to take out your Bibles, your mobile devices, if you use those as your Bible, and turn to the book of Lamentations, believe it or not. Lamentations chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 20 in just a moment. It's not uh, very often you start off a Christmas series in the book of Lamentations, but you'll find out why in just a moment. As you're turning there, by a show of hands, uh, let's participate. Let me ask you guys, how many of you, like me, you love Christmas? Christmas carols. Raise your hand. You love them? Okay. How many already have turned, uh, tuned your uh, station to Cozy 101? You've already done that? Only for Christmas, right? And then we go back to our other stations. Now, let me ask this question, and I need you to be completely honest. We're in church. How many of you started listening and playing Christmas carols before Thanksgiving? Okay. Raise your hand. Okay. Keep them up. Everybody look around. Please lay hands and pray for these people right now. That is a sin to listen to Christmas carols before Thanksgiving. Well, today we're kicking off our series, Christmas Carols, with a very famous and beloved Christmas carol, O Holy Night. Uh, we did a poll on Facebook this week and asked many of you, what is your favorite Christmas carol? And overwhelmingly, the number one uh, response was O Holy Night. Now, that's not why we're beginning this series today with O Holy Night. The reason we're starting this series today with O Holy Night is because that is my wife's favorite Christmas carol, and she said, you have to start with that one. Okay, I'm a smart husband, right, ladies? Amen? And so that's what we're going to start off with today. I hope you'll uh, follow along and take some notes on the back of your newsletter, and I also put the words to O Holy Night there on the back of your newsletter. And what I want to do right now is I just want to read the words and the lyrics to this famous, beloved Christmas carol, O Holy Night. I think sometimes it's important just to strip away uh, the band and the music and just read the words and think about what these words are, are saying. And so I'm going to read it right now, and you can follow along on the back of your newsletter. It says, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angels' voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. Now, let me give you a little bit of history about this famous Christmas carol, O Holy Night. It was actually written in about the mid-1800s. Uh, there was a minister that at that time in France reached out to a famous French poet. His name was Placide Capot. And because he was a famous French poet, he was really great at writing poems, he asked him to write a poem based on Luke chapter 2 of the Christmas story of the birth of Christ. And so he did, and he wrote this as a poem. It didn't start out as a song. It was a poem, O Holy Night. Uh, what a lot of people didn't know, though, was uh, this, this French poet, Placide de Poe, wasn't even a believer. As a matter of fact, history tells us he was kind of a hellraiser. And he didn't even believe in God, but he wrote this poem. Um, he liked it so much that they later added music to it, and it became the famous carol, O Holy Night. It became very popular in churches all over the world, but then some of the churches started finding out that Placide Capot was not even a believer, was even an atheist, and so they tried to put a stop to it, but it was too late. Uh, everybody loved it too much, and we still sing it uh, to this day. 
It's also interesting about O Holy Night, this fact that on Christmas Eve, 1906, there was the very first AM broadcast over the airways. And when the very first broadcast took place, the very first thing that people heard over the AM airway was the reading of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, followed by a man taking out a violin and playing O Holy Night, this famous Christmas carol that we're going to look at today. And I want us to think about that, that night, that night that Christ was born. And I want to think, to think about, you know, what, that manger scene, that nativity scene. I, I don't know what you guys think about when you think about a nativity scene. Maybe you have a nativity scene that you put out every year. Uh, but when I was growing up, there was a nativity scene that sat on a coffee table every year, as long as I could remember as a kid growing up. And several years ago, my mom is 88 years of age. She was with us the last couple of weeks for Thanksgiving and our services. She was giving stuff away, and she was downsizing, and she came across this nativity scene, and I said, hey, Mom, I'd really love to have that, because this is the nativity scene that I think of when I was growing up. And so she gave it to me. Uh, this nativity scene is actually about 65 years old. I'm not 65 years old. She got this way before I came along. But this is what I would think about, this nativity scene, the night that Christ was born, and, the, and this manger scene. And, and, you know, I want us to think about that night that we, we sing about, this holy night, this divine night. We sing songs like away in a manger, the baby is sleeping, the cattle are lowing, whatever that means. And we think about this peaceful, silent night and tranquil scene. It was anything but that, okay, church? As we think back to this night, let me remind you what was actually going on the night that Christ was born. There was a girl who was a teenager who had been become pregnant and conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she was bearing the Christ child. Uh, she was with her soon-to-be husband, Joseph. He was from Bethlehem, but he, they were living in Nazareth, so they had to take about a 100-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem because of the census that had been called for. So imagine this, ladies, those of you that have had children. You're nine months pregnant. You have to get on a donkey, and you've got to ride 100 miles. Okay, does that help you appreciate a little bit more what Mary went through uh, that night? And, you know, we think about the nativity scene. It's a nice barn, you know, and there's some sheep there. But it was probably a cave. It was, a, it was damp, dark, musty, smelly, stinky cave where animals would go to get out of the, the elements that night. Let me just tell you, ladies, there was no epidural available the night that Christ was born. Now, I've seen a birth with an epidural, and I've seen a birth without an epidural. Our first son, Caleb, uh, my wife, Shelly, had an epidural. The second child, Caitlin, was born. She came so quick, there was no time for the epidural. Massive difference. Massive difference in, in those two scenes. Uh, you know, when Caleb was born and she got the epidural, she actually, you know, was smiling and laughing and joking right up until time for him to be born. That's what I had in my mind would happen the second time. Somehow in your pastor's brain, it did not compute that this time would be different. And, and she's having her contractions. She asked for the epidural. They said, no, it's too late. The baby's coming. I'm excited. I'm on the phone. I'm giving the play-by-play -play to friends and family. And all of a sudden, this hand reaches over, nails go in inch into my skin. I look over to what once was my wife, now is a woman possessed with a demon. And she says, get off the phone. I'm like, yes, honey, I got to go. There was no epidural that night. This, 
This scene, this manger scene, this nativity scene, the night that Christ was born, was the worst environment possible. There was panic. There was screaming. There was pain. There was probably chaos. Because remember, there was no room for them in the end. And so what made this such a holy night, a divine night? And in each of these carols, I want us to, to key in on a certain phrase that I hope from this point forward you'll never sing this Christmas carol the same again when you understand the depth and meaning of this and the scriptures from which it is born. And I want us to look at this phrase that says this, and we're going to put it on the screen here. A thrill of hope, the weary world. Everybody say weary world. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, a new and glorious morning. I think if there's two words that accurately describe the world that a lot of us are living in today, it's a weary world. If you agree, say yes. There's a, you know, we sing songs at Christmas like it's the most wonderful time of the year, but for some people it's the most challenging and the most difficult time of the year. And maybe you're here today and you can relate and you would say, man, I feel like right now I'm in the midst of a weary world. People are weary about their finances. They're weary about their, their marriage. They're weary about their health. They're weary about their kids, their situations. They're, they're weary about their job. They're weary about violence and terrorism in this world today. And I, but I love this phrase in the song, Oh Holy Night, a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. Why? Because they believe this, would, this could be the Messiah the promised one, the savior of the world, the holy one. There was this belief that that baby in the manger named Jesus could change the world forever and could change our life forever. And that's a reason to rejoice. And that's a reason for hope even in the midst of a weary world. And my prayer for some of you today as we look at this carol and we look at the scriptures that if you find yourself today in the midst of a weary world that you would experience a thrill of hope and a reason to rejoice because of Jesus, because of Christmas and the Christmas story. Because here's the key thought this morning. A new day with Jesus can change everything. You believe that, church? A new day with Jesus can change everything, that new and glorious morn. And I want us to begin by reading in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 20. And let me give you a little context of what's going on in Lamentations. This is written by Jeremiah, the prophet. And what he has just experienced is the fall of Jerusalem. The Babylonians, their enemies, have come in and they've destroyed the temple. And they've destroyed Jerusalem. And they're taking them to be prisoners in captivity in a place called Babylon. It seemed that that time to Jeremiah and God's people, Israel, that the world was literally falling apart. It was a very difficult, challenging Time. It was a weary world that they lived in. But we're going to watch in this passage in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 20, where Jeremiah goes from mourning and lamenting to a moment of faith. And everything changes. Let's pick it up in verse 20. Jeremiah says, I will never forget this awful time. And as we read that, I bet some of you can think back to a time in your life you'd say, I'd never forget, I will never forget that awful time. I will never forget when that happened, when this took place. He says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, and things are about to, about to change. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Can we have an amen to that, church? 
This is where things begin to turn around. This is where he goes from a moment of mourning to a moment of faith. He says uh, here that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh. Somebody help me out. Each morning. Everybody, let's just say that together. Each morning. His mercies are fresh each morning. Each morning. And if you're taking notes this morning, let me give you three things that a new day with Jesus brings. How his mercies can be fresh every day, every morning. The first thing that a new day with Jesus brings is this, if you're taking notes. The provision you need. It brings, a new day with Jesus brings the provision you need for that day. God has a way of giving us exactly what we need. Look at verse 24. After Jeremiah says that his mercies begin afresh each morning, they're new every day, he says this, I say to who, church? Myself. He starts talking to himself. Now listen, it's okay to talk to yourself as long as you don't answer yourself. Okay? And he starts talking and he starts encouraging himself. And he says, I said to myself, the Lord is my what, church? Inheritance. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, the Lord is my inheritance. The Lord is my inheritance. Jeremiah starts talking to himself. He starts preaching to himself. Sometimes the best preacher is you. As you remind yourself of the goodness of God, of the faithfulness of God, of his provision and how he meets our needs. And he gives us exactly what we need every day. They're fresh every morning. And he says, the Lord is my inheritance. He's my my provision is what he's saying here. He gives me exactly what I need. Many scholars believe that when Jeremiah said that the Lord is my inheritance, he was referring to the fact that God had always promised the nation of Israel, his people, an inheritance, a promised land. Remember in the Bible that we read that they were in bondage and slavery in Egypt for some 400 years. God delivered them out of the hand of Pharaoh, and he brought them into their inheritance, into their promised land. But remember there was a time, there was a gap of 40 years that before they, from the time they left Egypt till the time they arrived at their inheritance in the promised land, that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. If you know what I'm talking about, say yes. Now, when we think of the wilderness, we think of trees and mountains and ponds and and lakes. It wasn't like that. Really, the wilderness was the desert. There was nothing there. There was no food. There was no water as they were making their way to their inheritance. The only way for the nation of Israel to survive for 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness, was God had to provide for them. He had to be their provision every day. And some of you remember the story. How did God provide for them food every day? He sent this stuff called manna from heaven. It was kind of this heavenly bread. The word manna translated means, what is it? They they didn't even know what to call it. They just called it manna. Okay, we're not talking about the famous rock band manna, okay? Not that kind of manna. But it was this bread from heaven. But here was what was interesting in that story. They would wake up every morning. They would come out of their tent. And this bread from heaven, this provision from God, each and every morning would be on the ground. And it would be enough for that day. But some of the people in Israel didn't trust God enough that he would do it again tomorrow or the next day, so they would try to gather the manna and save enough for the next day instead of trusting God. But do you remember what happened to the manna that they tried to hide and put in jars? It got rotten. And I believe God was trying to teach them and teach us that we need to rely on God's mercies and provision each and every day. Every day. That it's new and it's fresh every day. 
Today's is not enough for tomorrow and the next day. We need to seek the Lord each and every day. And when we seek him, we will find him. I'm so thrilled that you guys are here at Orchard Church and that so many of you come faithfully you know, each and every Sunday. And we open the word of God and we feed on the manna of God's word. But this meal that you get on Sunday, I promise you, is not enough to sustain you until next Sunday. You're going to be spiritually hungry again tomorrow morning. It's, it's great that you go to small group once a week, some of you. You come on Sunday and then you're in small group, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. That's great. But that's not enough to sustain you every day. Some of you are in discipleship ministry. That's not enough to sustain you. God wants his mercies and his word to be fresh to you each and every day. He wants to give you exactly what you need. You say, well, how do I find that each and every day? That manna in the Old Testament was a picture of the manna of the word of God that we can open every day. And God can speak to us, and God can encourage us, and God can lift us, and God can help us and provide for our needs. It's not enough just to have one big meal a week and think that's going to do it. You guys have been like I have to, like an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? And you get out of there, and you're like, oh, I'll never eat again. One of my favorite places, one of my favorite restaurants to go to, and they don't pay me to say this, although it would be nice if they did, is Texas Day Brazil. Have you guys ever been to that place? It's like an all-you-can-eat steak and chicken and, and ribs. It's, it's amazing. It's down in Northfield, Stapleton. And it's, it's kind of expensive. I only get to go there maybe once or twice a year. So if you're looking for a gift for your pastor this Christmas, <laughs> sorry, that was really bad. <laughs> Forgive me. But uh, we started taking our staff there once a year for our Christmas party for all of our staff. We used to take them to Cinzetti's. And then one year we said, we're gonna, let's up our game a little bit this year. And this year we're going to go to Texas Day Brazil. We can never go anywhere else now. Every year they're like, we're going to Texas Day Brazil, right? No, nothing else we'll do. But I go there every time. And man, I, I, you have to like prepare for two days to eat there. You know, I don't eat for like two days. And then I go there and I just, just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And then I walk out of there. And every time I, I say the same thing, man, I'm not going to eat for a week. I'm never going to eat again as I waddle out of there. And by the next morning... I'm hungry again. And the same church is true spiritually. Amen? It's not enough just to get a big meal on Sunday and think that that's going to sustain us. We need God's provision every day. And the good news is we can find it every day. As we open up God's word, he gives us exactly what we need each and every day, each and every morning, exactly what we need. Jesus said it this way, give us this day our daily bread today. And if you need some help, you say, well, I'm not really sure where to start reading in my Bible each and every day. I mean, even if you just read five minutes a day, it's something. It's better than nothing. You know, we're getting ready to finish out 2017, and we're going into the year 2018. It's a great time to say, this year, I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm, I'm gonna, you can read through the entire Bible this year just by reading about 15, 20 minutes a day. Just, just say, I'm going to read something. You can go by our Got Questions uh, area here in the new building. And at our Got Questions area, you can pick up our daily bread. And they're just little devotionals. Take you five minutes to read every day to be in God's Word. If you do apps and you have a smartphone, download the UYOU version app. There's hundreds of thousands of Bible reading plans on there. Because God wants us to feed on His Word each and every day. Here's the good news. God has exactly what you and I need each and every day. Exactly what he, he has exactly what you need for your marriage, for your relationships, for your finances, for your health situation. When we are weak, he is strong. When we've, we are lost, he helps us find our way. When we are hurting, he brings comfort. When we're down, he brings us up. Amen, church? Amen. 
He gives you the provision you need. A new day with Jesus, first of all, brings you the provision you need. If you're taking notes, here's the second thing a new day with Jesus brings. He brings the hope to keep going when we sometimes want to quit. The hope to keep going. He gives us the provision we need and the hope to keep going. Look at verse 24, the second part of the verse. Jeremiah says it uh, this way. He says, therefore, because the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will, let's say it together, church, I will what? Hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. He says he's, he's good to them, those who depend on him, those who, who hope in him. He, a new day with Jesus brings the hope to keep going. That's what we sing about in this song, O Holy Night, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. A new day is coming, believing that a new day is coming. That, that keeps us going when we have hope. It has been said that man can only live about 40 days without food. That man can only live about eight days without water. That man can only live four minutes without oxygen. But it also says that man can only live a few seconds without hope. Hope is what keeps us going. Now, I want you all to understand that God's definition of hope is much different than the world's definition of hope. You know, we throw around the, world, the word hope and we say things like, you know, I, I hope I'm going to get this job I hope I'm going to get this date. You know, I, I hope the weather is going to be nice this next week. I hope the Broncos are finally going to win a game again. Had to go there. It's better that you're in church right now than trying to watch the game. They need all the prayer that they can get. But, but we define hope as it's a maybe. It might happen, it might not happen. It's not a sure thing. But church, I got some great news for all of you. When we talk about the hope that we have in God and the hope that we have in Jesus, that is a sure, absolute thing. That is a guarantee and a promise. Hey, can we celebrate that this morning? Amen. We're going to celebrate. Let's do it big. And there's a lot of people that they put hope in the wrong things. There's people that they, they put hope in the stock market. It's not a sure thing. They put hope in a company, and companies come and go. There are people that put hope in the government. Bad idea. People put hope in a person or a possession or a position. And here's the problem. When we put hope in the wrong places and the wrong things, we end up hopeless and helpless. And we find ourselves in the midst of a weary world and a weary situation. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 62, 5. He said this, let all that I am wait quietly before God. Now, are you guys like me? Waiting quietly is hard to do, amen? That's, that's the hard part. But how can we learn to wait quietly and patiently before God? Here's the key. Let all that I am wait quietly before God for, let's say it together, church, my hope is in Him. We can learn to wait quietly and patiently for God because our hope is not in the things of this world that are temporal, but the things that are eternal. Our hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. What is the psalmist saying? I have the hope to keep going because I know my God. I trust my God, and I'm going to wait for Him, and I'm going to trust Him. He gives me the hope to keep going. When wor the world and life throws us a curveball and we want to quit, we want to give up, 
and we don't know how we can make it another day. I shared with you guys last week about a couple in our small group this semester that about three weeks ago, Greg and Becky came to our small group after some devastating news. Greg found out that afternoon on Wednesday, our small group was on Wednesday night, that he had liver and pancreas cancer, and it was very bad. And he shared that with our small group, and as I told you last week, it was an, it was an incredible, beautiful time of ministry to both of them, and we, we came around Greg, we laid hands on Greg, we prayed for, for Greg, we prayed for Becky, it was a beautiful time. And, and before Greg left, he, he said, you know, I, I don't know where all this is going to go. I don't know how bad it is. You know, I don't know, know if I have weeks, months, years. I, I don't know. But he said, I'd like to talk to you. I'd like to talk to you because I want to know for sure that I have the hope of salvation, the hope of eternal life, the, the hope of heaven. I, I don't want to gamble with that. And I said, man, Greg, I would love to talk to you about that. I wish more people would stop. And take time to say, man, you know, I don't know when my day is. I want to know that I know that I know that my sins are forgiven, that I know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and that I have a home in heaven. And so we sat down at my kitchen table, and I opened the Word of God, and I went through the gospel that Greg had heard hundreds and thousands of times. And I said, it's as simple as this, Greg. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he loved you enough to die for you and pay for your sins? And if you put your faith and trust in him, you can have your sins forgiven. You can know you have a home in heaven and that you will eternally be with God. And I said, do you believe that? And he looked at me with incredible hope and his eyes lit up and his face lit up. And he said, 1,000% yes. That's some incredible hope. What, pray, we praise God for that. You guys want to clap? It's all right. We're going to get excited about football games. We can get excited about that. And you can see the peace of God that passes all understanding overcome Greg. It was that very next weekend that he went into ICU. I was able to go visit him in the hospital, and he was kind of in and out of consciousness, and he woke up while I was there, and we even joked around a little bit, and he smiled, and the family said, well, that's the first time we've seen him smile, and then they were planning to move him into hospice, and they moved him into hospice, and on Monday of last week, I received the text that his hope and his faith had become sight, and God brought 100% healing to him, not in the way that we thought, but in the way God intended, and he went home to be with the Lord, and he is with the Lord today. And he is in heaven, and his hope and his faith has come to fruition. And he had that hope, and you can have that hope. And I want to encourage some of you, no matter what you're going through in your life right now, whatever you're facing, grab hold of hope, and hope is Jesus, the new day that Jesus can bring. And don't ever let go. Don't ever let go of that hope that we have in Christ. He is faithful. His mercies are fresh and new every morning. Unfortunately, too many people today, even believers today, are letting go of hope. And when we let go of hope, we tend to grab things we shouldn't grab. When we let go of hope, we start grabbing fear, and we grab stress, and we grab panic, and we grab worry, and we grab depression. Grab Jesus instead, amen? 
The one that brings a thrill of hope and a reason to rejoice and don't ever let go because a new day with Jesus changes everything. It changes everything. A new day with Jesus brings the provision you need, the hope to keep going, and then number three, if you're taking notes, the help you're seeking. A new day with Jesus brings the help that some of you are seeking. Look at verse 26 of Lamentations 3. Jeremiah says, so it is good, here it is again, it is good to, say it together, church, wait quietly for what? For salvation from the Lord. To wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. When we find ourselves in the midst of a weary world and a weary situation and circumstances, that we wait quietly for salvation from God to help us. A new day with Jesus often brings the help that we're seeking. Now, there's two different meanings of the word salvation in our Bibles. The first meaning of salvation is salvation like Greg experienced, the salvation from our sin, the salvation to know that we have a home in heaven, a relationship with Christ, that we say yes to him. And sometimes God allows us to go through weary circumstances in a weary world so that he will get our attention to bring us to our only hope, which is Jesus, and that we would say yes to him. Another form of salvation in the Bible is not just eternal salvation, but earthly salvation. That, that sometimes we need to be saved from something that's going on in our life right now. If you know what I'm talking about, say yes. We, we, need, we need to be saved from a circumstance or a, a situation that we find ourselves in the midst of a weary world and a weary moment. We say, God, I need you to save me from this. I need you to help me with this. I, I'm seeking help and I need it. And sometimes God allows difficult things to come into our life, circumstances and situations to bring us to him either for salvation or to bring us as a believer to him to increase our faith so he can show his love and his grace and his mercy and his power in, in our life. You have it this way in, in your notes. I want you to think about this, that our disappointments may be God's appointments in our life. That sometimes what we call a disappointment, God says, no, that was my appointment to bring you to myself, to show myself real and merciful and gracious and powerful on your behalf. I want to help you if you will seek me. I want to be there for you, to save you eternally and to save you sometimes in an earthly way. The psalmist in Psalm 121, verse 1, said it this way. And man, I like this verse. This is a Colorado verse for us right here. The psalmist says, I look up to the mountains. That's a Colorado verse, amen? Man, I tell you, I mean, I love living in Colorado I grew up in Oklahoma, but we've been living in Colorado now for 15 years, and when we have friends and family come and visit us, they say, do you ever get tired of looking at those beautiful Rocky Mountains? And I say, no. But you know what I've learned, and you've learned? My help doesn't come from those beautiful Rocky Mountains. My help comes from the maker of those beautiful mountains. That's what the psalmist is telling us here. He says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? What's the answer, church? No, he says this, my help, everybody say my help, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, the maker of the mountains. 
And some, somebody needs to hear this this morning. Somebody this Christmas season, it's not the most wonderful time of the year for you. You're going through challenges. You're going through difficulties. Maybe your marriage is hanging by a thread. You're going through health challenges, financial challenges, job challenges, challenges with your kids. Here's what I came here to tell some of you this morning. You can never, ever, ever fathom the difference that one day with Jesus can bring. But we've got to do the hard part. We've got to be willing to wait quietly and patiently for it. Because when Jesus shows up, everything changes. There was a story in the Bible of a man named Lazarus. And Lazarus was was sick, near death. And his friends and family members sent for their friend Jesus and said, Jesus, we've seen you heal other people. We know you can heal our brother and our friend Lazarus. Will you please hurry and come and heal him because he's going to die? And Jesus said, nope, you're going to have to wait. Jesus had bigger plans in mind than just healing him in the here and now. Lazarus went on and he died. And they buried him. I mean, it was in a tomb. And it was four days before Jesus showed up. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. And just to make sure that we knew that he was truly, genuinely dead, I love the way the old King James Bible says it. It says that he stinketh. I mean, you know you're dead when you stinketh. That's a holy stink, right? And they said, Jesus, you're too late. You delayed. You waited too long. How many of you know that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials? Because in that one day, Jesus said, hey, Lazarus, get up and come out of here. Walk. Come out of the tomb. He come bopping out. And I always think of the scene because he was probably in grave clothes. He probably came hopping out like this. You know, He's like, Lazarus, come forth. And in one moment, in one day, one word from Jesus changed everything. There's a story in the Bible about a woman that had a a blood issue, a blood disease. Twelve years she dealt with it. She prayed that God would take it away. Her friends prayed. Her family prayed. She wondered, am I going to have to live forever with this blood disease? One day Jesus comes by. One day she touched the hem of his garment, and in a moment she was completely healed. Because a day with Jesus can change everything. It can change everything. There was a man in the Bible that 38 years, he couldn't walk. He was laying by the pool of Bethesda one day. Jesus showed up, and Jesus just simply said, take up your bed and walk. And one day, it changed everything. And those people that encountered Jesus in that way, they would say this to all of us today. You can't even fathom and imagine the difference that one day with Jesus can bring. That one day with Jesus can change everything. But here's the one thing that all of those people that encountered Jesus in one day had in common. They had a personal encounter with Jesus. They had a personal encounter with him. And somebody needs to hear this this morning. You're you're in the midst of a weary time in a weary world, and you need to experience a thrill of hope and a reason to rejoice. And you know what it takes? An encounter with Jesus. A personal and real encounter with Jesus. A new and glorious morning may be coming for some of you. A new and glorious morning may be coming for your marriage, for your health, for your financial situation, for something with your kids, a relationship. Now let me say this. It doesn't mean if you have an encounter with Jesus that he's going to change everything. Because sometimes what he changes is you. Sometimes what he changes is me, amen? Sometimes he doesn't change our circumstances, but he changes us. And that may be what he wants to have happen in some of your life today. And it's amazing the difference a new day with Jesus brings. 
Because Jesus was born, we can have hope and we can rejoice in the midst of a weary world and a weary time. You, you know what's interesting to me? It's interesting as we think about this carol that we're looking at today, O Holy Night, that the author of this famous beloved carol didn't even know Jesus. He knew the story of Jesus. He knew about Jesus, but he didn't personally know Jesus. He had never had a personal encounter with Jesus. And that's what changes everything. And maybe some of you, you're here today, and that's what you need. Don't go through another Christmas season where you sing about Jesus and you go to you know, plays about Jesus and, and you read stories about Jesus, but you don't really know Jesus in a personal way. He wants you to know him in a personal, loving, and real way. A new day with Jesus can change everything. A new day with Jesus brings the provision you need, the hope to keep going, and the help that you're seeking. Are you thankful for that, church? Father, we uh, come to you this morning, and we just praise you and we thank you that when you step into our life and we don't just know about you and sing about you, but we personally encounter you, you, that it can bring real and lasting change. And though you may not change everything about our circumstance, sometimes you want to change us. And even in the midst of a weary time and a weary world, we can find hope and we can find help and provision from you. As we continue with heads bowed, and eyes closed, nobody looking around right now for just a moment. I believe that God is ministering and speaking to some of you today as his word and his spirit is colliding in your life and in your heart. And some of you desperately needed to hear this today. You needed to be encouraged this Christmas season because right now you would say, the best way to describe my life right now is a weary world. And I need the hope that a new day with Jesus can bring. The hope to keep going the help that I'm seeking, the provision each and every day. And so right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you'd say, I am going through a challenging, difficult season of my life right now, and I needed to hear this today, and I want to experience the new day that Jesus can bring in my life. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium if that's you today, if God has spoken to you in that way? Lift them up nice and high, nice and high. God bless you. Amen. Hands everywhere. Father, I just lift up all those today that are feeling the weight of a weary world, whatever it may be in their marriage, their finances, their job, their health, their relationships, their kids, whatever it is, I pray that you administer to them in a real and a powerful way today that they would have a personal encounter with you and that you would bring them provision, exactly what they need each and every day, that you would bring the hope to keep them going when they want to quit and they want to give up, that you, Lord, would give them the help that they are seeking that they would seek help from you and you alone, that you encourage them today. So we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. There may be some of you here today, and the reason that you're experiencing a weary world is because God is trying to get your attention. He loves you that much to allow sometimes difficult circumstances to come into our life to point us to the one that can only bring us true help and hope and meaning in life, and that's Jesus. That's why Jesus came 2,000 years ago. That baby in a manger grew to be a man at the, at the age of 33. After living a perfect, sinless life, he died on the cross for our sins. 
For God so loved the world, that includes you, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And for some of you today, isn't it time that you stop just knowing about Jesus and that you know Jesus and you have a personal encounter with him? And I want to give some of you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today, to invite him into your life as your personal Lord and Savior today in this service. I'm going to pray a prayer just a moment out loud. And I'm going to invite some of you to pray this prayer if you've never invited Jesus into your life before. This is not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words that we recite. It's not the prayer that saves us. It's our faith. And a prayer is simply a way to express the faith that is in our heart. So if you're here today, you know who you are, and Jesus is saying, it's time. This is the year. This is the Christmas to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Would you right now open your heart and would you pray this prayer from your heart to God's where you sit right now with me? And it goes like this. Jesus, I'm calling on you today to come into my life. I'm saying yes to you by faith. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and saving me. Thank you. Thank you. As we continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I, I would never want to do that. But I would love, love, love the privilege if you just prayed that prayer with me from your heart to God's for the first time and you meant it, and I believe some of you did. I would love the privilege to pray for you right now that you would grow in your walk and personal relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So without hesitation right now, if you prayed that prayer with me, can I pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand all across this auditorium? Just lift it up nice and high. God bless you. One, two, three people over there. God bless you over here. Amen. Just lift them up nice and high. God bless you, ma'am, right here. God bless you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Over here on my left. Amen. Amen. It's okay to get excited about that, church. That's our mission, to help people find and follow Jesus. Let me pray, and would you pray with me for these new believers in Christ this morning? Lord, we, we lift up those saying yes to you today, receiving the greatest gift they could ever receive this Christmas, the gift of eternal life. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we rejoice in their decision today. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we have a God who never leaves us and never forsakes us, and that in the midst of a weary world, we can rejoice and we can find hope because of you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate big time some new fam family members in the family of God? Amen. Amen. Listen, listen very carefully. If you just now raised your hand, there was 15, 20 of you, you said, I, yes, I prayed that prayer to accept Christ. That's the most important decision you could ever make, and we take that very seriously here at Orchard Church, so we're asking you to take out that connection card in your newsletter, check that box that says, I said yes, I accepted Christ today, uh, give us your contact information, drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by, because we want to continue to pray for you and uh, send you some information in the mail, a little booklet that says, called I Said Yes to Help You in Your New Walk with Christ. If you are a 
first-time guest at Orchard Church, thanks so much for being our guest today. Hopefully you filled out that guest connection card. Uh, please drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money at all today, first-time guests, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. And so if you drop that card in there, I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. We're going to send you a thank you note for being our guest and a free gift in the mail, just thanking you for being here. So please do that today um, as our first-time guest. Next Sunday is going to be an incredible historic day here in our new building. We are going to have live baptisms during all three services as people go public with their faith in Christ. You guys excited about that next Sunday? That is going to be awesome. It is not too late to sign up. So you can sign up on your connection card and you'll be contacted this week. Or better yet, just go to the baptism booth as soon as you leave uh, the auditorium right there in the lobby. They'll answer all your questions, get you signed up. And we're going to have live baptisms right here in all three services as people go public with their faith. You don't want to miss that. Um, hey, great to have you guys at the 10 o'clock service today. Um, we did a Facebook Live this week and we're trying to, to move. We've, we've got a good problem here at Orchard Church. We've been three weeks in this building and we already have some services that are near capacity. Can we praise God for that? I mean, that, that's a good problem to have. And, and our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. And, and one of the ways you can do this is by simply trying some of you to avoid the 10 o'clock service. We had a pretty large 8.30 this morning. Um, 11.30, we have a lot more room in that one than our other two services. So if any of you, especially during this busy Christmas season, you know, uh, as, as guests are coming, predominantly our first-time guests show up for the 10 o'clock service, if any of you could say, man, I'd be willing to give up my seat by going to the 11.30 service uh, during this Christmas season. That would really help us out. We could use about 100, 150, uh, be willing to do that starting next week. That would be awesome. I know some have already made the move today and we appreciate that because we wanna make sure there's seats to help people find and follow Jesus, amen? So, amen? amen. So you're loud like, no, I ain't moving, okay? So please, if you could help us out with that, we appreciate it. Next week, we're going to continue our series, Christmas Carols. We're going to be looking at the Christmas Carol, O Come, All, you, all Ye Faithful, Joyful, and Triumphant. Uh, sometimes we're not as faithful as we could be or should be. Uh, sometimes there's things that steal our joyfulness, and sometimes we feel more defeated than triumphant. But Jesus can change all that. Amen? So we're going to talk about that next week. Let's stand right now. As we close in a song of worship, please stay for this worship song, because guess what we're singing? Oh, holy night. So let's worship. Let's think about these words. We're also going to worship through our giving because we want to be a church that acts our ways by giving first, saving second, living on the rest. God bless you. I love you, Orchard Church.